Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm Sandra McDevitt. Today in Stories from the Heart, the story of a new widow who comes home from the funeral to find someone has packed up all her husband's things. How does she react? Stay tuned to Stories from the Heart to hear the story and just what the Bible has to say about widows and their care. The Last Sweat Sock Monica searched house, garage, and yard for a single souvenir of Joe. She found none. Most of the things were still there, but so oddly out of place, or so clinically clean, that any link with his once-living self seemed discreetly severed. His pipes were high on a shelf, perfectly placed in the rack, whereas they had always been left sprawled about or dangling askew. Even their bowls had been reamed of the dark crust, always before kept carefully intact. All his clothing had been sealed in plastic bags and hung up, coldly and compactly, at the proper end of the closet. Joe's habit of shoving his suits into the midst of Monica's dresses on her side of the wardrobe was at last cured. The grease rags on the garage floor had been picked up and confiscated, and the tools were set in unnatural neatness and polished of preposterous gloss. But the triumphant touch of merciless tending was in the backyard. For a few small divots, dug up by Joe's practice swings with a nine-hour, had been carefully replaced. It had all been done, of course, to spare the new widow the sight of the signs that might sharpen her sorrow. But having only three weeks before left her husband of 45 years in Holy Angel Cemetery, the bereft wife was not pleased to discover that all traces of his ever having inhabited the place had been devastatingly deleted. And she well knew who had been the culprit in this charitable crime. Sarah was a neighbor of great energy and bounty. She carried cakes to weddings, rocked the sick beds, and took over masterfully in the home disrupted by death. In the crisis, she was welcomed and cherished, but when the tempest was passed, she required restraint and retired gracefully when it was suggested she had done enough. But there had been no halting her when she descended in dynamic compassion upon this house of bereavement. Her Monica, weakened by night vigils outside the intensive care unit, had a few hours after the funeral been felled by pneumonia. Following a week in the hospital, she had recuperated for two weeks in the home of her daughter. This day she had returned, seeking her first solitude since the fatal heart attack, and expectant of some healing reminiscences of the man she had loved, both in quietude and quarrel, all of her adult life. But she rose from the wistfulness to wrath upon perceiving that all clues of her husband's hulking presence had been either ruthlessly scoured away or efficiently emptied of any nostalgia. It was not that Sarah was insensitive to grief. Indeed, she felt it acutely. But her manner of dealing with mourning was to remove unsparingly all reminders of it. Monica reflected that the golf clubs were gone, 
but they had been given at her own bidding to one of her sons. The thought of the game of golf diverted her from present anger to the early feud of her marriage. She had been deserted when Joe nearly every Saturday morning and afternoon was on the golf course. Her decision to dissolve the dispute by playing with him only further fomented the fight, for she was awkward and inept at golf. Gradually, her indignation died away as it became clear that her husband could be a close and relaxed companion only if he had also some uncoupled activity. Then, there had been a tussle between them about the sweat socks. Actually, it was an affair of fun, but they both bought it to a stimulated seriousness and a mock fury. When Joe had achieved an unusually low score and beaten his buddies, he would try to hang on to his socks until his luck broke. He explained it as tradition learned in the high school locker room. Real champions save the stockings of a winning game and wear them unwashed to the next game and so on until defeat. Monica strove to deprive him of the soiled socks. She usually succeeded for he had only one hiding place, the inner toe of his huge golf shoes. But Joe sometimes managed to outwit her for he would discontinue the ploy for months and then after she became unwary, resume it. Recalling this, Monica quickened with hope. Perhaps there were still two grimy keepsakes that had escaped the purifying sweep of Sarah. She sought up the shoes and was disheartened to see that they too had been found and deflowered, for they had been shorn of all soil and buffeted to a high shine. Nevertheless, she reached far into one of the shoes, empty. Then she probed the other, and her fingers felt the familiar fabric. She drew out the wadded clump of cotton weave, and sitting down with dignity, she began reverently to contemplate what she had many times before thrown heedlessly into hot water. Monica looked for a mystical message, but not finding one, she began piously to contrive. The cloth was grass-stained, so she fittingly fetched up the text. He leadeth me to lie down in green pastures. The words bore up bravely for a moment and then collapsed into nothingness. Joe, she remembered, had avoided all pastures since he escaped his father's farm fifty years before. Suddenly, she sensed the comedy of the scene. Here she was, holding a piece of dirty hosier in her hand, as if it were the shroud of a saint, and trying to wrest from it the reality of the resurrection. And, for the first time since Joe had fallen ill, Monica began to laugh, not softly, but loudly, and lapsed at times into a girl-like giggle. Some of their most momentous marital differences had been slashed down to slight size by her husband's ability to say something funny. The man who had given her many a laugh as a wife had bequeathed her first laugh as a widow. Now she knew with fresh faith that Joe was not altogether dead, nor was he far distant. Monica decided she would call Sarah and honestly thank her for a well-stocked refrigerator and an immaculately ordered house. But first, she would put away the gamey relic, rank to be sure, but redolent with an invisible vitality of grease-handed, tobacco-reeking, golf-playing Joe. None would find it, 
or she would hide it in the place every woman has in her home to keep true treasures safe from well-meaning meddling marauders. For it was a winning sock. It had walked with Joe in his last excelling game. It had scored soundly against sadness and tallied up loud laughter. And for a second, it had done death in. And for a moment, unmasked the mystery of immortality. It must be perpetually preserved from Sarah and all such who would want eagerly and witlessly to wash the wild winning streak out of the last sweat sock. Starting with the Old Testament, Exodus, Psalms, Proverbs, and so forth, and going on to the New Testament, Gospels and Acts, you can't read for very long without coming across the subject of widows. And God's infinite wisdom knew these would be widows, and those widows would need help from the greater community. As far back as Exodus, the second book of the Bible, the needs of widows are addressed. Exodus 22 states, Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear them. A warning to take care of widows without a doubt. If they are uncared for, God will make sure there are consequences. Isaiah 10 warns, Woe to them who rob poor people of their rights, so that widows may be their spoils. Jeremiah 22 warns against any wrong shown to the fatherless or the widow. And if there's any doubt, Psalm 8 states that God is a father to the fatherless and defender of widows. He definitely has their interests at heart. Moving on to the New Testament, there is an example of our Lord himself. He returned to the dead son of the widow Nain back to his mother. And do you think our Lord forgot his own mother? No, dying on the cross, she is his concern right up to the last moment. Mother, behold your son, referring to the beloved apostle John, and again referring to John, son, behold your mother. The blessed mother at that point was a widow, and he made sure she would be cared for after his death. In the early church, widows are cared for. Acts 6 relates that when widows were being neglected, in the distribution of food, the twelve apostles appointed seven men to take care of their needs. The Bible has examples of outstanding widows, both in the Old and New Testaments. Ruth in the Old Testament stands out as an example. She, a Moabite, married an Israelite from Bethlehem, who had with his family moved to Moab. Her mother-in-law, when widow, decided to return to Bethlehem, her birthplace. She told Ruth, who was also widowed, she did not come with her. And Ruth replied, Whether thou goest, I will go. Your God will be my God. Once in Bethlehem, she met a wealthy landowner, Boaz. They married, and their great-grandson was none other than the great King David. In the New Testament, Luke chapter 2, we learn of the aged widow, Anna. Along with Simeon, she had been serving in the temple. Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem 40 days after Jesus' birth for Mary's ritual purification in the temple after childbirth and to perform the redemption of the firstborn in obedience to the Torah. Simeon had been promised he would not see death until he had seen the Christ. 
the elderly widow Anna, was also there and offered prayers and praise to God and spoke to everyone of Jesus' redemption in Jerusalem. A prayer for widows. God, place all widows in your loving hands. Help them abide in you forever, especially in their difficult time. Give them strength and remove fear of tomorrow. Open doors for them for financial security and remove worry and anxiety. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's story was written by Father Thomas Cosgrove from Ligorian Magazine. The information on widows was compiled and written by your host. To listen again to this or any of my stories, go to the Ave Maria Radio Archives. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed a show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.